Thank you, Ricky and team, for leading us this morning. If you have a Bible, turn with me, if you will, please, to Proverbs. And we're going to start off this morning in chapter 14. I'm actually going to be all over the place in the book of Proverbs today, so just don't settle into any one spot in particular. We're going to be bouncing all around as we do that. It's good to see everybody here and hope that you've had a great week. Um, as it turns out, uh, we are going through the book of Proverbs and dealing with various themes that we find in the book of Proverbs, uh, the, the various themes that we've talked about before. I believe Bo's talked about humility and some other things like that, and I've talked about just wisdom broadly, and today I'll talk about anger. I'll be back with you the next couple weeks as well. So chapter 14, we're talking about anger just very quickly, one passage of Scripture, and then we'll dive into a host of other passages of Scripture throughout the book. Let's read today in verse number 15 through verse number 17. And hear what the book of Proverbs has to say about anger. The Bible says this, The simple believe every word, and the prudent considers well his steps. And now listen to this, A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and the man of wicked intentions is hated. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your mercies to us. We thank you, God, that you are gracious and compassionate to us in every possible way that we need it. And Father, today as we talk about anger and the wisdom of your word as it relates to anger, God, I pray that you would indeed give us all ears to hear. This will be a lesson that for many is much needed, myself included. And Father, as we listen to this, I pray that you would help us to take for just a few moments our typical defense mechanisms down and just hear, not as one being attacked, to hear, not as one being critiqued, but to hear as one who needs to hear. And Father, indeed, especially in seasons of frustration or difficulty, in situations that we find ourselves in now, our fuses will be shorter our anger will be more volatile. And Father, we need to hear from your word. And so God, I pray that you would give us great wisdom as we just dance through the entire book of Proverbs today, listening to what your word has to say to us about anger. God, help us, we pray. Give us, again, ears to hear, eyes to see, and may we be conformed to the image of your Son by listening to the wisdom of Proverbs about anger. We love you and we give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me start off this morning by asking you this question. What are you angry about? What are you angry about? Now, my guess is that if you're not angry this morning, I hope that you're not. I hope that you just woke up, had a great morning, ate a bagel and had some coffee, got yourself ready and came on to church and you're having a great morning. And maybe you're not particularly angry right now in this moment. But I'm asking this question, what are you angry about just dispositionally? What is this season of life? bringing up into your heart and into your mind that causes you to be frustrated, causes you to be tense, causes you to be angry. What is it that you are angry about? Or let me ask you a different question. What is it that you do when your anger gets the best of you? You know how as it turns out, the, the very week I decide, hey, I'm preaching on anger this week, I've probably had a shorter fuse than any other week that I can remember in quite a long time. And I have to say, when you, when, you, when you lose your temper and you let your anger get the best of it, what is it that you do next? Do you apologize? Do you fix it? This is, of course, what we're supposed to do. 
I myself have had to apologize many, many times throughout my life for being explosive or having a short fuse or something like that. And it can be very, very difficult. So what do, is it that you do when you let your anger get the best of you? Let me start off this morning. I'm going to spend almost all of our time today just going through the Proverbs alone because it has a lot to say. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to attempt Mission Impossible as a preacher today. I have 20 points. And that's normally I have three, but we've got a lot to do and I've just got to dance quickly across what the text says and apply it to our lives as quickly as we can. But let me start off today with two passages from the New Testament. Don't flip and and read there, just listen to it for a second. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 26 and 27. The Bible says this, be angry and do not sin, which is to say there is a time and a place where anger is appropriate. Anger, even if it's not appropriate, is indeed a reality in all of our lives. And the Bible is not, and the, the, the thing about Christianity, the thing about the Scriptures is such that it's not as though it's unrealistic about what's actually happening in any of our hearts and lives. There are going to be times that you think things you shouldn't think. There are going to be times that you, you want to act in ways that you shouldn't act. What do you do next? Do you let it fester? Do you let it brew? The Bible says be angry, which is to say, you know what? It's unavoidable. There are going to be times in your life where you're just angry. You're just mad. That doesn't mean that you have to sin. Be angry and don't sin, the Bible says. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. This is one thing the New Testament tells us. James chapter 1, verse number 19 through verse number 20. Listen to this. So then, my beloved brothers, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and listen to this, slow to wrath. A number of times today we're going to see the Scriptures instructing us to lengthen the fuse. You say, well, I just have a short fuse. Well, get over it. The Bible says make it longer. There's an instruction there. Listen to this. Be slow to wrath, listen to this, because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's the part I actually want you to hear. Look, you can just sit there and say, man, that's just my disposition. But what you need to understand is you're giving yourself to something that does not demonstrate God's righteousness in your life. So the wrath of man does not produce the the righteousness of God. So all that to say, here's some just New Testament backdrop against this teaching of Proverbs on anger. Now, essentially what I'm going to do today is we're going to go broadly through the whole book in a number of ways. We're going to talk about the consequences of anger first. We're going to talk about what our anger reveals about us secondly. And then we'll talk thirdly and finally about what do we do about our anger. So let's talk number one about the consequences of our anger. It's just a first big heading. Those are the three big headings that we're going to put everything in today. First big heading, the consequences of our anger. And I've got several things to show you from the book of Proverbs here. Number one, one consequence of anger is that anger can destroy the home. Anger is the kind of thing that hits the closest to us in the very circle where we need peace and rest and warmth and affection the most This can become the place where anger destroys everything. Proverbs chapter 17, verse number 1. Listen to what the Bible says here. Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Meaning you can have absolutely nothing in life. You can be impoverished in every possible way. But if the relationships are not defined by hostility and anger, you got it pretty good, don't you? 
By contrast, you can have a life and you can have a home filled with feasting. I mean, all of the best luxuries that the world could give you. And yet, if there's strife and anger and hostility, my gosh, that's not worth much at all, is it? What is the point of that? The point is to say anger has the ability to destroy our homes, the relationships with our spouses, the relationships with our children, the relationships with our parents. Anger has the ability to destroy the home. Proverbs chapter 21, verse number nine, verse number nine says this. Listen to this. And ladies, it says something about ladies here, okay? So I think you could make the exact same point about the men too. Better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. The picture there is just really vivid, isn't it? I picture some poor fella hanging out on his roof, on the far corner of his roof, just dangling, roof just dangling off the side. And you think, man, go inside. And he says, you just don't know what it's like inside. Because his wife is so contentious. Now, of course, the husband can be just as contentious as well. My point, I think the point of Proverbs here is to say, once again, anger is the kind of thing that will destroy the home. That's one huge consequence. I'm going to come back in just a minute and ask some follow-up questions of you after I've kind of gone through all of these. So under this first heading of the consequences of anger, one of them, anger can destroy the home. Another consequence, anger destroys friendships, the book of Proverbs tells us. That is to say, in our friendships and our brotherhood, what Proverbs says here is the moment we offend because of our anger, the moment we have broken a relationship because of our anger, it is often impossible to get that relationship back. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 19. A brother offended is harder to win, listen to this, is harder to win a brother offended than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. The imagery there is quite vivid. Again, all the imagery throughout these Proverbs. This is why the Proverbs ring to us with such wisdom, because they employ metaphors from life to illustrate the point of the wisdom that they're teaching. The, the book of Proverbs is teaching us here that, listen, in our relationships with our friends, our brothers and sisters, that when our anger gets to the point that we've offended them and the relationship is broken, that tends to have a permanent effect such that it's easier to win over a major city in a battle. It's easier to win a major military battle than it is to win the friend back to you again. He uses the imagery here of the bars of a castle. There's a fortress here that is impenetrable. That's how difficult it is to win a brother or a friend back. So the point of all that is to say that, listen, our anger, our frustration, our hostility towards other people has the tendency to break even the closest friendships to us. And here's the consequence, that when we do that, we often will never, ever, ever get them back. So anger can destroy the home. Anger can destroy friendships. Anger, thirdly, brings sorrow and not resolution. Think for just a minute about why it is that you allow yourself or maybe even encourage yourself to go off on somebody. We've all done it. You've all lost your cool. We've all thought to ourselves, this is what I'm going to do. Here's a problem, and here's what we think. It's very naive, and the proverb is about to address this. By the way, the proverb I'm about to read is Proverb 22, verse 8. Just listen to what I'm saying, though, to set it up, because I want you to hear it. Our thought is this. Ooh, I don't like what this person's done. I'm displeased with this issue. 
The fix for it is, let them have a piece of my mind. That's how we think. And that is so convoluted and so backwards if we just think about it for a moment. Listen to what Proverbs tells us. Proverbs 22, verse 8. He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow, and the rod of his anger will fail. Let me start at the end of that verse and come back to the beginning. The rod of his anger will fail. You see, you have a situation that you don't like and you're frustrated with it. And the thought that we have is, I'll just give them a piece of my mind. And I guess somehow we think that giving people a piece of our mind is always going to fix things. Well, the Bible says here, the rod of anger will fail. In other words, the thing you're trying to accomplish with the explosion doesn't work. It doesn't work. Oh, now, go back to the beginning of the verse. He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. So my point to you from this is this. Anger brings sorrow, not resolution. Anger's not going to fix anything for you. In fact, it's just going to make it worse. Anger, fourthly, as a consequence, produces and reinforces anxiety in our lives. I dare say, if we would be students of ourselves... And we would tune in to the anxiety that boils and rages in our hearts and in our minds. And if we were to be students of ourselves and just try to go back through and do a bit of an autopsy on where did that anxiety, that death feeling come from? What causes this anxiety? It's probably because at some point we've gotten frustrated or hostile or angry about something. What Proverbs tells us, Proverbs 27 verse 3, what Proverbs tells us is that our anger actually produces anxiety in our lives. And then it reinforces anxiety in our lives. Listen to this. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty. The imagery here is important. Think of me up here on this stage. Imagine a stone that big. Well, no, don't imagine one that big because I couldn't lift it. (laughs) If there was a rock that big on stage, I assure you I could not lift it. Imagine a rock, I hope I could say half that size. And maybe I could know a third of that size, okay? And here I stand on stage and man, it is heavy and I can barely hold it up and my knees are about to buckle. Imagine me walking with two big buckets of sand. I mean, I would just really be taxed. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty. Listen to this. But a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Wow, you want to talk about something that will weigh you down? Anger. Anger will... It will create and produce anxiety in our lives. And it will reinforce anxiety in our lives. So here's what I'm saying to you. Anger is pretty bad. Anger has a lot of consequences to us in our lives. And so let me ask you a couple questions here. And, And reflecting on all those points I've just made. In your family, in your family, how is your anger created difficulty? Don't talk about your spouse in your mind. Don't talk about your children. Don't talk about your parent. Talk about you. In your family, how has your anger created difficulty in your families? Remember, one of the consequences of anger is it can destroy the home. Here's another one. With your friends, 
How has your anger hurt your relationships? Again, don't think about what they've done. Sure, I know it's a a two-way street. There's no difficulty that happens in relationships that's one-sided. I mean, it's, it's almost always there's two sides to the coin. I know that there's some on that side too, but you know what? Only thing you can control is you. So focus on you and your family and in your friendships. How has your anger hurt those relationships? Let me ask you this question. What kind of sorrow and anxiety in your own life is present within you because anger is allowed to fester? Anger is allowed to boil. I mean, you know, I'd never thought about that point, about anger producing and reinforcing anxiety. But you know, the moment I saw that in the book of Proverbs and began to reflect back on it in my life, I can think to myself, you know what, that's probably right. There are moments that I find myself just anxious. And when I do that sort of little spiritual autopsy I just mentioned, of why is that anxiety there? What got me getting here? What, 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 where did this feeling start? I go back in my mind and it's when I just allow myself to just sit there and boil. Anger. It produces and it reinforces an anxiety in our lives. And so what kind of sorrow and anxiety is in your life right now because of your anger? So the book of Proverbs helps us to see the consequences of our anger. Well, the book of Proverbs also does more than that. The book of Proverbs, look, everything we've done so far is superficial to some degree. Superficial in the sense that, look, this is what happens in life around you, right? It's all external to you. It's in your family. It's in your friendships. But you know what? The book of Proverbs also helps us to look deep inside. The, the, the book of Proverbs is also a bit like an MRI, or a CT scan, or something like that, or an x-ray. It has the ability to peer inside and tell us what's going on in here as well. And so the second big, large category I want us to talk through today is, well, now, not only what are the consequences of our anger, but what is it that our anger reveals about us as we take the MRI machine, the x-ray machine, and we look inside for a second about anger. What are we going to see and what are we going to find out? Well, the book of Proverbs says, talks about this. Number one, under this broad heading of what our anger reveals about us. Number one, a person controlled by anger is a fool. I mean, look, this is kind of the overarching theme throughout the book of Proverbs about anger. If you're angry and you let your anger control you, the, the book of Proverbs basically just puts you in the fool category. Listen to this. Proverbs 14 Verse number 16 and 17, it's the verses that I opened with and read today. Listen to this. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. You ever notice this about people that are raging? They're so confident that their opinion and their perspective and their disposition and their approach to this in that moment is exactly what's supposed to be. The fool, the book of Proverbs says, rages and is self-confident in that rage. Wow. I'm a fool when I let that happen. The quick-tempered man acts foolishly, it says, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. There again, you see another consequence, don't you? It causes hatred in these relationships. Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 29, listen to this. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. So once again, the idea there is it's a compare and contrast. It's making the point that the person controlled by anger is a fool by sort of showing you the opposite first and then coming back to it, right? The person who doesn't let wrath control them, that's a person of understanding. In other words, that's a person of wisdom, which then is to say the person who is controlled by their anger or by their burning rage and wrath, that person 
exalts folly, which is another way the Proverbs speak of fools. So what, do we cons- what can we say about this? What does the MRI machine show us that's inside here? It shows us essentially this. You might think you're wise. You might think you're intelligent. You might think you've got it all together. I don't know what we might think of ourselves, but the Bible says if you let your anger control you, you're a fool. Second thing it tells us about us, a person controlled by anger lacks honor. A person controlled by anger lacks honor. Proverbs 16, verse number 32, listen to this. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than the man who takes a city. Here's the picture that Proverbs is painting for us. Greatness in the eyes of God, character and honor really belongs to those people even more so than those people, those people that control their temper, even more so than those people that have great valor in battle. Man, we think and we esteem people highly for winning great battles or achieving great things in military conquests or maybe in our day and age in sports arenas and things of that nature. And we might think of people as great in those regards, but the book of Proverbs says, no, you want to know what real greatness is? It's those who have the ability to control their anger. Wow. Why? Why would it say that? I'll tell you. Because controlling your anger is easier. I mean, it's harder than winning those battles. It is easier to win those battles than it is to control your anger. So the person who lacks it is a person who lacks honor. Thirdly, a person controlled by anger suffers from self-inflicted wounds. A person who is controlled by anger, suffers from self-inflicted wounds. This is to say, the book of Proverbs is showing us here that ultimately for this person, many, perhaps most, maybe all of the problems of their life that are most acute are, come back in some real way to their inability to control their anger. Listen to what it says. Proverbs 18, verse number 6 and verse number 7. A fool's Lips enter into contention. Again, the foolishness, right? You see that. We've seen that point already. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for blows. What is he talking about? This person is inciting rage. This person is calling for conflict. This person is asking for and calling for fight, for fists to flail and punches and blows to take place. He's asking, let's go to blows right now. That's the fool, it says. The fool's mouth calls for blows. Listen to this. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his own soul. The fool sits there and says, let's fight, let's fight, let's fight, let's fight. And I want to tell you something. Even if he wins the fight, he's the biggest loser in the whole thing. It will be him who faces the most destruction because of this. It will be him who's hurt the most. His mouth is his destruction. Because he's calling out for it and asking for it, he's the one that will be hurt the most. There will be consequences for his action far beyond bruises and bumps. It is his lips that are a snare to his own soul. You ever known people like that? So have, have so no inability whatsoever to control their anger, it seems, and they just explode on everybody, and then they wonder why people don't like them, or they wonder why they can't have a relationship, and they do really silly things like get mad at God for it. Hey man, you shot yourself in the foot, bro. This is what the book of Proverbs is saying. 
Fourthly, under this heading here, a person controlled by anger is a transgressor. Simply put, it just means that you're just in sin. Proverbs 29, verse 22, an angry man stirs up strife and a furious man abounds in transgression. Listen, anger and following in anger is a sure way for you to walk in a way that displeases God. This is why we started with this statement in James chapter 1, verse number 19 through 20, that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is why Ephesians 4 tells us, be angry. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. But don't sin. You control that because in doing that, you give yourself to a life that offends a holy God. Now, reflection real quick. Let me ask you a couple questions. What kinds of wounds have you created for yourself and for others because of your anger? Man, I hope, look, I ask you these questions. Let me, let me tell you my hope and my intention when I ask you these questions. I hope that when I ask that question, there's an immediate in your mind, ooh, and a little bit of processing that goes on there. I hope it's there. But what I really hope is that now in this moment when I ask you that question, that that's not going to be the last time you think about that question. I hope that you go back and you sit quietly and you reflect for a minute and you do a little bit of honesty with your own heart and mind and you dig for a minute and you, you really wonder, what kinds of wounds have I inflicted on my spouse, my children, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, my church? What have I done with my anger to inflict harm on people? As such, because I want you to think about these things, today's sermon especially, by the way, if you ever want these, you, all you got to do is ask. Today's sermon especially, the notes that I'm using right here, right now, you all, I want you to have them because I want you to reflect back through these passages again and I want you to ask yourself these questions. Here's another question I want you to ask. What kind of wounds have been inflicted on you because of anger? Now look, the point here today is not necessarily to just start turning it back. It's not a defense mechanism. But you do have to be honest with yourself. That Perhaps it is the case, I would suggest it is the case probably in all of our lives that some of our greatest sorrows in life have been because of other people hurting us. Other people doing things to us that we had no control over. you got to be honest with those things and you need to process those things. Let me, let me talk thirdly, big category real quick and I'll wrap it all up. What do you do about all this? <laughs> What do we do about anger? How should we respond then? If these are the consequences, if this is what it tells us about us, what do we do about it? Well, let me say a handful of things very quickly, and I'm going to go rapid fire. Number one, control the anger and respond in love. You say, man, I'm just dispositionally, I have a short fuse. No, 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 no. That can be said of anybody. All of us have the capacity to flip out sometimes. All of us have the ability to get in the flesh and nevertheless, the Scripture says, stop it. Nevertheless, the Scriptures say, don't do it. Nevertheless, though anger is understandable, the Bible calls us not to respond in it. But rather, instead of responding in it, to respond in the love of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 10, verse number 12, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. And the instruction implied within that is, man, when you get frustrated, when you get angry, you don't respond in that. You pause and you remember who you are in Jesus. And most importantly, you remember what you have in Jesus. The love of Christ has overcome us. And therefore, let that flow out. When we're angry, control that anger. The call, I think I can just say it this way, in large part, the command that broadly we would see across the Scriptures for us is, you control it. You don't let it control you. 
You're the adult. You're the grown-up. You take control of that. You don't respond in it. You speak with love. Secondly, shun harshness and speak kindly. Man, listen to what the Proverbs say here. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Sometimes we're harsh. Sometimes we're cruel in how we respond. And we can, again, make excuses as just the way I am or this, that, and the other. But you know what? The Bible tells us that's not what you're supposed to do. A soft answer turns away wrath. But harsh words will stir up anger. Thirdly, be slow to anger. Simply put, I mean, this is not a magical thing. Just be, the Proverbs are going to instruct us here to be slow to anger. Proverbs 15, verse number 18. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. Which is to say, if you are slow to anger by controlling your anger, you're going to put away or put off contention. Contentions in our relationships when the families, when the friends and the church and all these things, they'll go away. How? Control your anger. Just calm down. That is a word right there. Those two words. Calm down are two words that our generation and our culture desperately need to hear. Mad about everything. Stirred up about everything. Trying to get people fired from their jobs about everything. Calm down. We're not helping anything by responding and not just responding, but responding and living in this disposition of hostility and anger. Be slow to anger. Proverbs 19, verse number 11. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, which is to say you're wise if you're slow to anger. And his glory is to overlook a transgression. Glory? How can you put up with that? Letting people disrespect you. You know what? Here's the bottom line. You could say this on almost any spiritual issue at all. There's two different ways to look at things. There's the way the world looks at it, and there's the way God looks at it. Yes, in the world's eyes, that's always going to look as you just let people disrespect you and other things like that. But you know what? God doesn't look at it that way. And I don't really care. I don't know where that came from. I don't really care what the world, or I shouldn't really care what the world has to think about it. I should only care about what He has to think about it. So be slow to anger. Fourthly, allow consequences to have their place. Ooh, this is an interesting one. Listen to this. Proverbs 19, verse number 19. A man of great wrath will suffer punishment. Some translations say, let the man of wrath suffer punishment. In other words, allow him to have the consequence. For if you rescue him, you will have to do it again. One of the best things that ever happened to me was that people got out of the way and let law enforcement do what needed to be done in my life. I didn't like it. It was embarrassing. It was no fun, but boy, it'll get your attention. Let me tell you something. When a police officer rips you out of your car and slams you onto the hood of your, your, your Jeep and your head bounces off of the hood of the Jeep because he threw you down so hard, that has a way of getting your attention. Wow. Let the consequence have its place because if you don't, you're going to be right back there again shortly thereafter. If you're constantly bailing people out and not letting people hold the, 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 the result and the consequence of their behavior, then they're never going to learn. And some of the best things you can do for people is just let reality teach them. If it's clear they're not going to listen to you, then hey, 
I know of no better teacher than reality itself. Let consequences have their place. Fifthly, avoid hostile influences and contentions. Listen to this. So in other words, what the Proverbs are going to instruct us here to do is, look, people in your life that will just ramp you up all the time and rile you up, you just need to be real careful. Listen to this. Proverbs 22, verse 10. Cast out the scoffer and contention will leave. Wow, that's simple. Get rid of the scoffer and contentions will stop. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. Proverbs 22, verse 24 through 25, listen to this. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. In other words, it's not just that, but getting rid of that person, there's not going to be as much contention around. Hey, he's now saying, don't even associate it with it, because you know what could happen? It could rub off on you. And you could absorb that person's ways and set a snare for yourself. I, I, I learned this a long time ago. Let me just make this point to you right now. Attitudes are more contagious than coronavirus. They're more contagious than colds, the flu, or any other pandemic. Attitudes are contagious. You Watch. Do a little social experiment sometime. Walk into a room at some point, and if you do the first one, you've got to reel them in at some point. But walk into a room at some point with 20 people in there, 30 people, and just do this. Walk in there and say, man, I wish they would clean this up more often. Or pick out some other negative comment that you could make. Man, can you believe that we did that today? You just watch what happens. All of a sudden, other people in the room are going to start piling on and nitpicking. And all of a sudden, the whole group is infected. By contrast, walk into a room of 20 people, 30 people, and say, man, I love this building. Isn't it beautiful? Yes, it really is. And <laughs> you just watch what happens. People think in herds. I remember when I worked as a kid on a dairy farm, one of my jobs when, before we milked those cows was for me to go out and make sure we riled them all up and got them back into where they were supposed to be so that we could get them in line to milk them. And I'd go out there and you start calling. And I learned this. It really only takes one or two cows to start moving in that direction. And then all of a sudden the entire herd just moo and is going with them. And I'm telling you, on attitudes, we're like a bunch of dumb cattle. People walk into a room and they say something negative, and next thing you know, we've taken the bait, completely oblivious to the fact that we're just, we've just going along with the current. Stop it! We are Christians. We think with Christ. And we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So, the Scriptures teach us here, be careful who you run with because they will infect you. Uh, two more things very quickly, we're all done. Never add fuel to a burning fire, the Proverbs tell us. And basically the point here is to say, sometimes the best thing you can do is just stop talking. Sometimes the best thing you can do is stop pushing back. Sometimes the best thing you can do is not say a word anymore. Proverbs 26, verse number 20 through 21. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. Where there's no tail, tail bearer, strife ceases. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. In other words, if we just cut all that out, the fire's going to die down. Last thing here, 
turn away contention and seek the well-being of the righteous. Proverbs 29, verse number 8 through 10. Scoffers set a city at flame, but a wise man uh, turn away wrath. If the wise man contends with the fool, whether the fool rages or laugh, there is no peace. The bloodthirsty hate the blameless, but the upright seek his well-being. Which is to say, what we tend to do is get involved in the contentions, and it's almost always the righteous that get hurt. And what he's saying is put away that and look after the well-being of the righteous. Let me ask a couple questions we close. How well do you respond to your own anger? Is anger something in your life that's allowed to do whatever it wants to do? When anger bubbles, anger is unavoidable. Today, likely, you're going to get upset about something. This week, you get upset about something. Or maybe it's a broader, deeper issue. A broader, deeper issue that is a real, genuine pattern in your life. What is anger allowed to do in your life, whatever it wants to do? Is it an unchecked tendency or disposition? Or is it something that you control? How well do you respond to the anger in your own life? Second of all, how well do you respond to the anger of others? Man, if you can control your own, remember what the Proverbs tell us. You are better than a man who wins a major city in battle. You're a person of honor. That's hard to do, control your own anger. You know what's even harder? Dealing with other people's anger that you can't control. How well do you respond to the anger of others? Now let me end it this way today. The Scriptures are calling us to do all those things. And you might be sitting there saying to yourself, you can't do those things. Yes, you can, but let me now confuse it. No, you can't. You can, but no, you can't. Here's what I mean by that. It is possible for it to happen in your life, and you are an active agent in that process. But when I say no, you can't, what I mean by that is you can't do it by yourself. You can only do the things that the Proverbs have laid out for us to do, like, you know, just slow it down, pump the brakes, cool it off, lengthen the fuse. You can't do those things on your own, but here's the thing, you're not in it by yourself. You can only do those things with the Spirit of God active in your life. So seek Him. Listen to what the Bible tells us, Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit are those things. Which is to say, my ability to love is dependent on my communion with the Spirit of God. My ability to have joy in horrible circumstances, is dependent on my communion with the Spirit of God. My ability to have peace and patience and gentleness and self-control and all of those things is directly correlated to my communion with the Spirit of God. So yes, you can. As in you, in partnership with the Spirit of God, walking with Him, this, you can lengthen that fuse. But no, you can't if you're going it alone. So don't go it alone. Draw near to Him, as the psalm I read to you this this morning. The Lord is near to all who call on Him. By the way, that's from Psalm 145. The Lord is near 
to all who call on Him. So may we be a people that call on Him. Father, bless us, we pray. Help us to be faithful and obedient. Lord, these words are challenging to us. Help us. We need you. We call on you. We ask, Father, that your spirit would be near to us to forgive us, to cleanse us, to strengthen us, and to help us take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and to walk in a way that pleases you. We love you. We bless you. And we ask that you be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen.